What's up, Coconut Creek? How you guys doing this morning? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Glad to have you guys here with us as we're continuing our series, XOXO, Family Flings and Relationship Things. And uh, this has been an enjoyable series talking about the dynamics of relationships, uh, particularly romantic relationships, even though we kind of switched it up on you last week and we talked about some family dynamics. Pastor Steve talked about how to raise great kids. If you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to go back, listen to the message. I think it'll be really, really important for you, especially as parents and as people that want to impact the next generation, how you can make a huge difference in their life. And so today we're going to continue on this series, just talking about the dynamics of relationships. And every week we've been telling you that there, if you have questions, you can text your questions into us. We'd love to answer those questions for you. And some people are getting mad at us because they're texting their question in. And they're like, why aren't you answering? Uh, because we're going to answer all those questions in two weeks. Everybody say, two weeks? two weeks? No, that wasn't everybody. That was like the front row here and a couple random people. Everybody say, two weeks? Two weeks. All right, that's better. In two weeks, we're going to answer all the questions have been sent in. And so I want to encourage you, send your questions in. doesn't matter what kind of relationship question it is. Send it in. Shayla and I will be up here. We'll be answering those questions. It's lots of fun. We're bringing it back by popular demand because some people were like, you've got to do Q&A again. So much fun in the past. Um, everybody have their X and O cards in your worship guide. Everybody throw them up in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. Come on. Holla. Hey. You know, hey, ho, oh, hip hop hooray. Anyways, okay. Uh, we got an O card for yes and an X card for no. And so we're going to have some questions again. We've been doing this every week, a little little audience interaction here, just trying to get some ideas of what you guys think when it comes to relationships. So we have a couple questions for you. The first one is this. Is it okay for the girl to pay after the first date? Yes or no? Yes or no? Wow, a lot of yeses from guys and a lot of noes from girls. Okay, interesting. Uh, next question. Should the in-laws visit more than twice a year? What do you all think about your in-laws? Man, what's up with, like, y'all like your in-laws, or you're sitting next to them. One of the two, I don't know. So that, that's kind of different. That, that's weird. Okay. Is it okay to tell your spouse slash partner that someone else is good looking? Yes or no? Yes or no? Oh, some people aren't throwing both cards up. That doesn't work. Like, like what, you, what is it? Yes. A lot of yeses out there. A couple of noes. A couple of noes. Okay. How about this one? Should a man go into debt for an engagement ring? Right there. Whoa, whoa, overwhelming notes. I don't even have to talk to y'all. Wait, there's, a, there's, like one, there's like two single girls that are like, of course he should. Of course he should. That's why you're single. Money hungry girls. I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, next one. Should a man ever send an emoji to anyone for any reason? If you don't know what an emoji is, just put no up. No, no man should ever send an emoji to anyone for any reason at all. Okay, so uh, we're just establishing that right there. Listen, if you're a guy and you had yes up, man card, check it at the door. Like you lost it. Totally gone for the rest of your life. Uh, not cool that you're using those ever in a text message or on Facebook or any other social media platform. Today we're going to be talking about not how do you fall in love, but how do you stay in love? Like, what is the secret to staying in love? And I think that in a church like ours, we have a ton of single people. We have a lot of newly married young families. And so there's, there's, there's a lot of information out there on, on how do you fall in love. And that's an important aspect. Falling in love 
is an important thing. We put a lot of emphasis on falling in love. In fact, I was reading a book by a pastor named Matt Chandler, and he tells a story of a guy named Dudley, excuse me, Dudley Collison. And Dudley was dating this girl, and he decided, man, I want to marry this girl. And so he came up with this elaborate plan to ask her to marry him. And so Dudley showed up at her house one day in his, in his everyday car that he drove around, picked her up. They, they took off to a lake in Arkansas. They lived in Arkansas. When they got to this lake in Arkansas, uh, Dudley had a canoe waiting. And so they got in the canoe and they paddled out into the middle of this lake. And inside the middle of this lake was an island where he had set up this romantic picnic. And they went out and they had this great lunch and were just conversing. And as they were sitting there on this island, a speedboat pulled up. And so he's like, hey, let's jump in the speedboat. They got in the speedboat. They were going all over the lake, just having fun, enjoying the day out on the speedboat. Eventually, they came to the dock and, and up pulled a limousine. And so they got in the limousine and they drove to an airstrip a couple of miles away and jumped into a, a, a small prop airplane. And they flew over the hills of Arkansas, just, just really experiencing the beauty of all that God had created there. And eventually, they landed at a small airstrip right next to a, a Christian college there. And they got out and they walked through the college to the chapel that was there on the campus. And as they walked into the chapel, Dudley had done it right. He had, he had totally done up the chapel. I mean, there was candles lit everywhere. There were rose petals down the center aisle way. And she was just blown away. And she looked up to the altar and saw an envelope with her name on it, a big envelope with her name on it. And he, she goes, of course, she walks down the aisle and opens up the envelope. And inside of it, it says, will you marry me? And of course, she's giddy, like, oh, you know, and turns around, and uh, Dudley is on one knee with an engagement ring, saying, will you marry me? And of course, she says yes, and they're ecstatic, and they walk outside, and, and sitting out in front of this little chapel in Arkansas is a beat-up old Ford truck. It's got rust on it. It's got some backfiring happening. You know, it's just barely running, and they get in this truck, and they drive to dinner to celebrate the day's events. And when they get to dinner, Dudley explains to his fiance now what all the different vehicles meant. He had thought a lot about his engagement. And he goes, you know, the car that we got into was my everyday car. It just signified the fact that in our marriage, we're going to have a lot of just normal days. There's going to just be a lot of normalcy to our life. The canoe represented times in our marriage where we're going to have to work together, where we're going to have to get on the same page and heading in the same direction, and we're going to have to work really hard, and we're going to have to strive really hard to get to the place where we want to be. He then goes, the speedboat represented the fun that we're going to have in relationship. Man, we're going to cruise at times, and it's going to be awesome, and we're going to ride the waves, and it's going to be a great time, and we're going to have some fun in our relationship. They said the limo, what it represented is there are going to be times in a relationship where you and I are just not enough, where we're going to need somebody else to help lead us and guide us and direct us. We're going to need some help distinguishing, you know, some problems that we have. We're going to need some help with some direction in our life, and we're going to need somebody from the outside to come in and kind of drive us in that right direction. He said the airplane represents the, our relationship with God. He said, hopefully our relationship is continuously soaring, that we're continuously experiencing new thoughts and new ideas and new aspects of God all the time in our relationship, and we're going to new heights. He said, finally, the old truck, what it represents is it represents us growing old together, and 
and we might get beat up at times in the relationship. It might not always look the prettiest on the outside. There's going to be some struggling times, but we're in this together forever. And it doesn't matter what it looks like at the end. The fact is, is that we're together. And it's going to be amazing. Now, Dudley's story probably puts every guy in here's engagement story to shame. We would probably all admit that. In fact, if we could all make a collective statement to Dudley, we would all probably tell him, we hate you, Dudley, as men. Made us look bad. It's not a good thing. I mean, you, you, you put a lot of effort into that engagement. And, and let me just say this to, to those of you guys that are out there that are thinking of proposing to a girl. Don't look at her or squeeze her hand right now because like, she's already mad at you that you didn't propose at Valentine's Day. So, But you're thinking about proposing. There's some important elements that you need to remember. There's going to be two questions that all of her girlfriends are going to ask her about your engagement. Number one, let me see the ring. It's an important question. You got to have a ring. If you didn't like it, you should have put a ring, or if you like, you should have put a ring on it. That's what Beyonce says. So you got to put a ring on it. So they're going to ask to see the ring. And the second thing that they're going to ask you is, how did he propose? And so you better think about how that proposal is going to look. I know for Shayla and I, there are people that still go up to Shayla and go, so how did TJ propose to you? You better think about how you're going to do that because you don't want your story to be, well, he was laying on the couch and, and he was like, oh, babe, man, my feet hurt. And, and you just came and sat down and you're like, well, you rub my feet and you pull off his sock and the ring is on there. And he's like, will you marry me? Like, She's going to tell that story to her girlfriends for the rest of her life, okay? Like, that's not the story you want to tell. So think about that. Think about it. Listen, if you're not romantic, Google how to do it, okay? Somebody else's idea can be your idea. Get creative. But in relations, we have a lot of focus on starting the relationship. We have a lot of focus on the beginnings of the relationship. We have a lot of resources on how do I fall in love with another person? How do I find the right person? And really, there's only one requirement to fall in love, and that's that you have a pulse. You can go ahead and check it right now. If you got one, you're a candidate, okay? It's not hard to fall in love. We all know how to fall in love, but what we're dangerously ill-equipped for is staying in love. Listen, we all know how to fall in love, but we are not equipped for staying in love. In fact, I went and did some research. There are over 1,500 Christian websites teaching you and helping you how to fall in love. Christian mingle, Christian tingle, Christian whatever else they want to touch or say. or Like there's a lot of stuff that's out there helping you fall in love. There's not a lot of resources out there helping you stay in love. And especially when we live in a society where the average wedding cost, hello parents of girls, is costing 25 grand. Start saving. We spend a lot of money on the preparation and falling in love, $25,000, but we spend very little on staying in love. We've got to put some emphasis there, and I think the Bible gives us a lot of scriptures that it can equip you and I to stay in love, and we've all walked enough of life to realize that not every relationship that we start ends the way that we thought it was going to end. And some of us here are in relationships right now, and they're going amazing. Some of us are in relationships that are not going very amazing. Some of us just want to be in a relationship. Some of us uh, are, are just getting out of a relationship right now. And, and while 
you know the secrets of falling in love, today I want to talk to you about the secret of staying in love. Because whether you're in that place right now or you're not, at some, place, at some point you probably will be. And the better prepared you are for that moment, the more reality is that you're going to be successful in that thing. And so Jesus gives us a really, really interesting thought here in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says this, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And what's really interesting uh, is that Jesus takes a word, this word love, that in the Jewish context at this point had predominantly been a word that was considered a noun. And he says, listen, I'm going to flip the script on you guys right here, and I'm going to change the game. And he's saying that love isn't just something that you find. Love is something you do. Love isn't something that you fall into. Love is an action that you have to take in your life. And he's saying, listen, it's an action. It's something we have to do. And in our culture, we don't think of love as an action. We think of love as a feeling. And so we say to ourselves, man, when I feel love, then I'll go and take some actions that are response to my feelings. And Jesus flips it on us and says, no, 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 no. That's not how I'm talking here. That's not how I'm thinking here. What he's saying is he's saying, listen, you need to start acting loving. You need to start acting caring. You need to start acting compassionate. And as you start acting that way, what it's going to do is all of a sudden you're going to start feeling loving. You're going to start feeling compassionate. You're going to start feeling caring. And so this is a new paradigm. This is a new way of thinking for you. And foundationally, what he's saying and what he's giving to us is he's saying, listen, if you're going to stay in love, if this is going to be the foundation of your relationship, then you've got to take this word love and take it from a noun and make it a verb. This is going to be the foundation for you. Staying in love is not just thinking of, oh, this is something I fall into or this is something I feel, but this is an action that I take. And what he's saying is it's just not enough for you to go and tell someone, I love you. It's not enough. It's not enough for me to go and tell my wife, Shayla, hey, I love you. I have to go way beyond that. I have to show Shayla that I love her. You have to show that person that you love them. But what happens so many times in our relationships is that we just stop pursuing in that manner. And what happens is, is because we stop pursuing and we stop making love a verb, uh, it causes us to stop having that passionate pursuit that we once had. And I think that there's a lot of reasons why that happens, but there's two in particular that are pretty dynamic in relationships. And the first one is this, it's familiarity. We just become very, very familiar with that other person. Anybody in here ever bought a new car? Or a new car to you? Okay, has anybody in here owned a car? Owned a car, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've owned a car. Owned a car. Some of y'all are just liars. You just won't raise your hand for anything. I know you did not walk here today or take the bus. You drove or you rode in somebody's car. Okay, we've had cars, and when we got that car, it was new to us. Is that, is that a true statement? When you first get that car and it wasn't yours and all of a sudden it's yours, that's new to you. Okay, we're all in that same boat. When that car is new to you, you treat it different than you've ever treated anything else. When I remember the first time Shayla and I got a brand new car, man, I was looking for any reason to drive that car. We had an SUV and we got a brand new car and we would have eight people with us and I'd be like, Shay, we, we need to take the car. She'd be like, but we got eight people. But I was like, man, it's the car. 
Like, I wanted to drive the car at, at lunchtime. I would go and wash the car just for fun because I cared about the car. Uh, if you were getting in my car and you had a Happy Meal, I'd be like, oh, heck no, you're not getting in my car with food. For like six months, I was like that. But then about that seventh month, I was like, man, there's wrappers on the floor. I haven't washed that joker in six months. It's, it's you know, the oil change hasn't been changed in 8,000 miles. Why? Because it became familiar. Same thing happens in our relationships. Happens all the time. When Shayla and I were, were dating, we were 19, 20 years old, and uh, I can remember going to her house for a date to pick her up, and before I would even get to the door to knock on it, Shayla would open up the door, and she'd be decked out like fine as could be. She's still fine as could be, and, uh, and she'd just be like looking good. She'd be like, man, I was waiting for you, and she's all excited and giddy, and I was like, yeah, boy, like got it going on, and, and like we go out and have these great dates, and I, I just remember her always anticipating that next date. Fifteen years later, I come home, hey, babe, I'm home, nowhere to be found in the house, like, no response. Shayla, you around? Nothing. Nothing. I walk in the bedroom. I'm like, babe, you're not even going to acknowledge me? And she's like, what do you want, a parade? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Why? Familiar. Just become familiar. I think another reason that we stop pursuing is, is just exhaustion. We just get exhausted. And if I go back and I just think about my relationships, you know, we were 19, 20 years old when we started dating. You know what we had a lot of at 19, 20 years old? We had a lot of energy. You know what we didn't have much of? We didn't have much wisdom. We didn't have much responsibility. But we're in our late 30s now. You know what we have a lot of? Not necessarily wisdom, but we have a lot of responsibility. You know what we don't have very much of? energy. Anybody else experience this phenomena? As the older you get, the less energy you have. I'm like, where did all, like I used to be able to stay up till midnight. Now I can't stay up past 930. <laughs> I'm like, man, I can't even watch Monday Night Football. I'm like passed out on the couch. And so there's this phenomena happening. We have way more responsibilities and a whole lot less energy and something's got to give there when it comes to that. And typically what it gives is our relationships and and so what happens is we say we got to shortchange some area of our life. And so we look at our kids and we go, man, I can't shortchange my kids. They need me in this season. They need my input. They need my influence. So I can't shortchange them. We look at our careers and we go, can't shortchange that. That's paying the bills. That's keeping a roof over our head. Like I can't shortchange that. We look at our health and we go, man, if I give up this amazing bod right now, it's going to really fall apart. Like I can't shortchange that. So what is the one thing I can? My relationship. Because you know what? It takes a ton of energy to relate to your spouse meaningfully. It takes a lot of energy to date specifically and romantically with them. It takes a lot of energy to resolve conflict in your relationship. It takes a lot of energy. And if you don't take and put some energy into your relationship, it's going to naturally just decline. Listen, there's nothing in your life that you can neglect and see it get better. Neglect your yard, does it get better? No. Neglect your body, does it get better? I've not seen anybody go, man, I'm going to eat whatever I want, never work out, and all of a sudden they got a six-pack. Like they might have like a six-pack of Coke, but they don't got a six-pack of abs. 
Listen, you can't put your relationship on the back burner and expect the flame to still be burning when you come back to it. I put it on your outline, something like this. Your marriage or your future marriage needs to focus on your responsibilities rather than the rights. Because every single one of us wants to go, but, but I, I need some things in my life. These are my rights. I need to have these things in my life. And, and when you sign up for a relationship and you say, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend the rest of my life with you. I want you to be the center of my life. You give up your res- rights, and all of a sudden you take on some responsibilities. And I want to go back to a verse that we started in week one with, because I think it's so important for today. And it's Ephesians 5.21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that word submit throws a lot of people off sometimes because it's been so misused in church. It's been so misused when it comes to uh, gender equality in the church specifically. It's been used a lot to make women doormats. Uh, and that isn't the case here. That isn't what, what Paul is saying. He isn't being gender specific in this at all. In fact, he's saying, like, listen, this is a genderless statement. This is the fact that in a healthy, growing, loving relationship, there is going to be some mutual submission here. It says, like, if you're going to love somebody, you're going to put down your wants, your needs, and your desires for the other person's wants, needs, and desires and put them ahead of your own. It's a mutual thing to both men and to women. And this idea of feeling loved and this idea of wanting to experience love is a primary need for every single person in here. For every single human person, there is a depth and a longing within us to need to feel loved. We all share this common need. And where relationships tend to get sidetracked and they tend to kind of tank is when we have emotional love, and you say, man, I want to put all your wants, your needs, and your desires first ahead of my wants and my needs and my desires, but all I know how to express love in it is the way that I receive love. And so you try to express those things, but there is this void that's there because they have an emotional love tank, and you have an emotional love tank. And your love tank gets filled up in a certain way, and you think because, oh, I get filled this way, they must get filled the same way too. And if you have ever been in a relationship or you've ever kind of interacted with the opposite sex, has anybody else noticed that they're quite different than you are? If you're married, you know they're different than you are. I, I love the, the Facebook, I wish I had the picture of it, you know, the book that's, that tried to, tries to explain women, it's like three bajillion pages long, and like it's never figure outable, and then the book to explain a guy is like one page. Why? Because we are just different. And because of that, I think that one of the most impactful books for relationships that's ever been written is by a guy named Dr. Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. And um, it's a really simple book. If you've never read it, I would encourage you to go get it and read it. Uh, But for the last couple of minutes, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about these five love languages. In in your worship guide, uh, there should be a, a, a bottom section of your notes that looks like this. And this is basically just a way for you to be able to uh, kind of rate yourself and figure out what, what is the way that I receive love? What is the way 
that I have love in my life. And so there's a low and there's a high. And so as I go through and I talk about receiving gifts, quality time, acts of service, words of affirmation, physical touch, you kind of just rate yourself. And at the end of that, we'll figure out what is the thing in your life that fills your love tank. And so the first one there is, is receiving gifts. And a lot of times we think of this as this is somebody who's probably pretty superficial because they just want things from other people. But that's not what receiving gifts is all about. Receiving gifts is a person that a lot of times is all about they're thinking about somebody else and they see something that reminds them of that person. And so they want to give that person a gift to tell them, hey, I was thinking about you and I saw you. But it's also a way that they receive love from other people because they re- they're good at giving gifts. They think that the way that the other people should show them love is they want to receive gifts. They want to know that somebody else was thinking about them. They saw something or they went out and they knit some ugly sweater. It doesn't matter to them that somebody was thinking about them and got something for them. And it's not something that's weird. It's just, it's not even that they're materialistic. It's just the fact that they want to be remembered by somebody else. The next one there is uh, quality time, and this is, a, this is a pretty interesting one because, uh, in fact, let me just kind of do this. Um, by a show of hands, how many of you guys love it when somebody spends quality time with you, when somebody you care about? Yeah, all the needy people in the house raising their hands right there. They look like, I want your time. You're needy. That, that's how I interpret it. You want to know why? Because my love language is not, spirit, is not uh, quality time. And because my love language isn't quality time, I look at you as needy when the fact is, is you're not needy at all. That's just how you receive love. That's how you give love. And so having quality time for you with somebody where their focus is on you, where their attention is on you, not sitting in front of the TV, watching a show and going, man, we spent quality time together. No, 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 no. You just watch TV. I'm talking about you spending quality time where there's some interaction, there's some, maybe some eye gazing. I know for Shayla, this is her love language. She loves nothing more than for us to go on a walk in our backyard around our lake and just hold hands. And for her, that is heaven on earth. For me, that's hell on earth. You know, and uh, like those, because those are totally different things. It's it's not literal hell. It's just, we live in South Florida, so it's warm. Um, (laughs) But that's that's how she, she gives love. We can go to the mall and I can just walk around with her. That's quality time for her. Like I'm doing something that's important to her and we're spending it together. It's a good thing. Third one there is acts of service, and this one is mine, and and I understand this one better than all, and this is the high-maintenance people. We're high-maintenance people that are acts of service. We want you to serve us, okay? That's that's the idea behind it, and the idea is is that typically acts of service people are people that have a lot of to-do lists going on. They have a lot of things that they're trying to accomplish in life, and so when somebody comes along and says, hey, I'll help you check one of those things off so that you don't have to do it, it makes you feel loved. Like for us, we're constantly having people over to our house for events and meetings and, and leadership deals, and we're not the cleanest people on the face of the earth. Like we're just not. Our house looks like the Tasmanian devil went through it 24-7 until somebody's coming over, and when somebody's coming over, we know that that house has got to be cleaned up at least an hour before they get there, and so we try to schedule it out, and most of the time, because that is not Shayla's gifting, her gifting is not cleaning, it ends up becoming my gifting. And so I'm always scheduling out, okay, TJ, you got to go home and clean before people go there so they don't realize that you are a total slob. And so um, I'll, I'll be getting ready to schedule to go home, and all of a sudden I'll get a text or a phone call from Shayla, and she'll be like, hey, I went home early and I cleaned the house. And I'm like, ah, ah, I love you. 
I'm like, I get excited. Or I go home and I go to my sock and underwear drawer and I open it up and there's socks and underwear in there, like folded and together with the socks. I'm like, babe, what's up? You know, it's like, okay, I'm not really sure what this was, but uh, <laughs> it's meant to be claws or something, not squeezing. <laughs> okay, that just got way more awkward. All right, words of affirmation, words of affirmation. <laughs> I'll just take a minute here. <laughs> this is kind of self-explanatory, <laughs> words of affirmation, but it's when, when somebody, you know, sees something that you did or, and, and they go, hey, when you did that, that was absolutely amazing. Or they say, you know what, I love you because of this attribute in your life. And they recognize something about you and it's really all about encouragement. It's all about building someone else up. In fact, this week I was reading in this book called The Surprising Secrets of Happy Marriage. Actually, I was reading it two weeks ago and uh, I found some interesting stats and one of them was that 75% of all women love it when their spouse leaves them a message, a note, a voicemail, an email, or a text during the course of the day, just saying, I'm thinking about you. I thought that was a bunch of crap. I just didn't believe that at all. I'm just going to be honest. I was like, there's no way this is true. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to try this out. And so I started texting Shayla every day, like, hey, babe, I'm thinking about you. You're amazing. It was like day one. She responded, oh, that's so sweet. You were thinking about, you know, and I was like, okay, this is kind of manipulative. But the next day I scheduled it out. Like I put it on Hootsuite. I just scheduled them out. Uh, and I don't know if that, if that kind of messes it up that I scheduled them out and stuff so that they would go out. And so every day until about day five when she realized that you're getting sermon material. And, uh, and that's never a good day. Like, why do you keep texting me? I'm, I just love you. I'm thinking about you. And she's like, no, you're not. I'm like, you're right. I'm not. I'm <laughs> seeing if this is really true. And, uh, but it worked. Guys, take note. Three out of four ladies. Just leaving them a note, saying something. Right with their lipstick on the mirror. I don't know if they like that or not, but it sounds good. Here's another one. 76%. Of women said so they love it when their significant other says, you're beautiful. So just commenting on how gorgeous they are. Words of affirmation. That's a simple one right there. You can find something. Uh, that didn't come out right either. Uh, <laughs> let's switch over to guys. This will be better. 72% uh, of men said it impacts them when their wife notices their effort and sincerely thanks them for it. Okay, ladies, here's an easy one. He's going to try to clean the house. He's going to have the broom out, and he's going to be sweeping, and he's doing terrible, okay? Because let's just be honest. Men are terrible cleaners. I'm the exception to the rule because it's my love language. So, um, you know, they're like, they're just terrible. But if you go, honey, you did awesome. Like, thank you so much for helping out. You can take the broom from him and finish it and make it right. But, uh, like, if you, like, sincerely thank him for that, like, that guy will do any. Like, you'll see him sweeping every day of the week. Because he just wants somebody to recognize something about him. Another one says 72% of men say it makes an impact when their spouse says, you did a great job at fill in the blank. So basically what this is telling us is that men are very egotistical and they just want their ego stroked. And if you do that, like it's true. Like I, I understand I'm, I'm acts of service, 
Words of affirmation. Those are my love languages. I want you to serve me and tell me how great I am at the same time. Like that's what I'm looking for. Last one is physical touch. And for some of you, physical touch is, a, is just a, a, a gesture for most guys. It's sex. Um, but check out this. I, I found some research, and, and this was about hugs, and I thought that this was crazy. Um, the average human craves 13 hugs a day. 13, that's a lot of hugs. Now you know why 50 Cent said, come give me a hug, come give me a hug. Like he needed his hugs for the day. Like, I get a lot of hugs on a Sunday morning. Like, there's a lot of hugs to be given. But during the week, man, man, maybe two or three hugs a day, maybe max, but 13? Here's the stat that I don't believe. And and you guys let me know what you think, okay? They say the average hug lasts nine seconds for it to be effective. Nine-second hug. Come on out. I just want you to see how awkward this is. Ready? One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Was that weird for anybody else? <laughs> Listen, if you hug me for longer than like two seconds, we got problems if you're not my wife. And if she holds on for about five seconds or longer, I'll think that's going somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this ain't just a hug. This is going to be a hug. Some more stats. Okay. 82% of women said it deeply pleases them when their spouse just takes their hand. So you're just walking around, you just, you just grab their hand. Deeply pleases them. You're sitting in church, you just, you just slip over and hold her hand right now. That's your cue, guys. That's your cue right there. Deeply pleases her. Here's another interesting one. 74% of women said it deeply pleases them when he just puts his hand on their knee sitting next to them in public. It's interesting, in public, deeply pleases her when you put your hand on her knee. Not at home, but in public. Do you want to know why in public? Because she knows that that hand isn't going to go any other place when it's in public. It's important because, guys, when we think about physical touch, physical touch without sex is like an oxymoron to us. It makes no sense. But physical touch for a lot of people is, is not that. And so we got to understand that in, in all the love languages, except for physical touch, we're the same. But when it comes to physical touch, specifically for men and for women, it can be very, very different. For, for most women, it's, it's just a, like a holding of hands or a touching of the leg or an arm around them. For most men, it means sex. And this is the only place we're different. But if it's about filling the other person's love tank and processing love in the way that they process love, it's important for us to look at this chart, wherever it is, it was there, chart, and figure out where, where, what are my top two? Because most of us have a top two. What are the two areas that, that I receive love in? It's important for you to know those areas, but what's even more important is for you to know that your other, your significant other's top two. Because the problem that most of us have is whatever our top two are, that is our native language for communicating love. And we are most comfortable communicating 
in what? Our native language. We're most comfortable communicating in the very way that we receive love. And so I'm most comfortable communicating love to Shayla through acts of service. And here's what the problem is with that is, is that a lot of times somebody is communicating love through their love language, say it's acts of service, and all of a sudden their spouse comes to them and goes like, you know what, this just isn't working for me. Like there's just a disconnect here. I just don't feel very loved. And the other person is like, what in the world are you talking about? You don't feel loved? There's a disconnect? Like you don't feel like I care about you? Did you not see that I washed the car? Did you not see that I put all the clothes away? Did you not see that I did this and I did that and I did this and I I did that, and they're like, well, I, I just don't, I don't feel love. You want to know why? Because you're communicating in your native language, and you're filling what would be your love tank, but their love tank is empty and dry, because that's not how they receive love. And what the Bible is calling us to do is have this... I, this mutual submission where we're saying, hey, listen, your wants, your needs, your desires, they are going to be first. And my goal as your spouse, my goal as the person that is dating you, my goal as your fiance, my goal as your family member, my goal as your friend is to help your love tank be full. And so if I want to make sure that that person's love tank is full, then I've got to become aware of what their love language is and learn their love language and speak their love language. Now what happens is, is I hear couples all the time go, well, you know what, they are just so different. Like they, he is just so different and she is just so difficult. And basically what they're saying in those moments is, is that, listen, I know my native language and I know that they have a different language, but they're not worth me spending the time to learn their language. And the Bible right here is going, no, 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 no. That's not how it's supposed to be. Because speaking your language feels normal to you. The idea of submission is saying it's not all about you. It's not about your wants, your desires, and your needs. It's about the other person's needs and wants and desires. And so it is your responsibility to fill their tank. I love what Ephesians 4.29 says. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Then it may benefit those who listen. Now, primarily and rightfully so, we typically use this verse when it comes to speech and building other people up. But there is like such a significant statement that's in here that just really correlates when it comes to relationships. And it talks about building others up and here's the part that we need to get, and I would encourage you to circle this, according to their needs. And this is the biblical and foundational expectation that when you're in a relationship with somebody else, you have got to be aware of their needs. You've got to know what their needs are, and you've got to know what their language is so you can speak it, and you've got to be willing to do whatever you can to meet that need. And see, the problem for some of us is, is that we're in a relationship, and the problem isn't that you're two very different people, because the differences that you have are not your problem. It's how you handle the differences that really matter in that relationship. It is the, 
the core of everything that we have. And as you move forward and you're attempting to develop healthy relationships, whether you're two weeks in or you're 30 years into this, this relationship, it all comes back to the idea that if you're going to have a healthy relationship, you got to make sure that their love tank is full. This might not be how you fall in love, but I promise you this. It is a secret to how you stay in love. You want to stay in love, you make sure the other person's tank is full. And so on your worship guides, you have that little outline, and that's awesome for you to know what your love languages are. But that really isn't going to help you in relationships. And so what I would encourage you to do is I would encourage you to tear that off. And I would encourage you to give that to your spouse. Give that to the person you're dating. Give that to a friend or a family member and go out to lunch or go grab a breakfast or go spend some time after church and talk about what are the ways that you receive love so that we can learn the native language, so that we can communicate in a way that's healthy, so that we can not just fall in love, but we can stay in love for a long time. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you today and we thank you that, God, you're all about relationship. I mean, that's why you sent your son 2,000 years ago was to restore relationship, restore a, a, a brokenness that was within every single one of us that we couldn't communicate with you any longer. And you gave us the most beautiful, visible, vibrant, encompassing measure of all the love languages in your son, Jesus Christ. So that you could bridge the divide that was there. God, and I, I know that there's some divides in relationships today. There's, some, there's been some different languages that have been being spoken and there's some, there's some tension there's some brokenness. There's some gaps there. And there's, while you've wanted to mutually submit, you've been missing the mark because you've been trying to give love the same way that you receive it. And today, God, I pray that you would reveal to every single one of us what the other person's true love language looks like, God, and that we would be willing to sacrifice, that we would be willing to give, that we would be willing to love in the way that's necessary, just like your son did 2,000 years ago on the cross. God, I pray that you would work in marriages today, that you would work in relationships today, God, that it wouldn't just be about trying to live on the emotion of falling in love and then based on how you're feeling, you react. But God, I pray that we would act. And as we act on love, the feelings would follow. God, thank you for what you're doing here in this place and in people's lives. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.